Welcome to the Mary Jane Experience. Unbiased, unabridged, and most of all, informative. From our mountaintop view here in Colorado, here's how we see the cannabis industry today. Let's look at weed. Good afternoon, stoners, or good evening, good morning, wherever you're at in the world listening to this podcast. We are the Mary Jane Experience. I am Casey Jones, alongside Strawberry Sequoia, the hostess with the mostess. It is a new week, it is a new podcast. Strawberry, what do we got going on? Yeah, so we sat down with Hannah Davis... She is the CMO of Mammoth Distribution, as well as Heavy Hitters. Out of California. Out of California, (laughs) yes. Uh, We sat down with her at South by Southwest outside the cannabis track. Yep, more South by Southwest content brought to you by us. More South by (laughs) Southwest, because we can't get enough of it. There was so much going on. I mean, it was power-packed, as we've probably already said. Um, Hannah was in the panel with actually Julia from Aster Farms who uh, we had a couple episodes back yeah yeah, that we were talking about Mm -hmm. super interesting panel cannabis brands and investments so we sat down with Hannah to get her perspective essentially on cannabis marketing and the challenges that cannabis brands are faced with Mm -hmm. in marketing you know, you can't use the traditional methods. Yep, of no Facebook, no Google, no exactly. none of that. Not even for us as a podcast. We're not even selling weed. I know, but. just thoughts, <laughs> stories. We, we'd like to give you honest information about marijuana and cannabis industry. No! <laughs> so okay. we got Hannah, we asked her about her successes, her failures, ways to get creative, and, and just... Diving into the marketing aspect of cannabis, I think it's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. And especially because we're, you know, partaking in it. Um, But also interesting, uh, just kind of her take on South by Southwest also, because it was brand new for all of us, because it was the inaugural cannabis track at South by Southwest. They, in a non-legal state, opened it up to talk about cannabis and things like that. Obviously, Austin is you know, a microcosm of its own weirdness and, and intelligentsia, if you want to call it, in the state of Texas. So it was just an interesting setting to be in um, as well. Definitely. So here's what Hannah had to say about her South by Southwest. It's been amazing. Um, it's been a really cool place to have an intersection of technology, music, other new industries, and cannabis sort of all coming together. So I've not only met some awesome cannabis leaders, but I've met some really cool people from those other industries as well. So I just think it was awesome that South by Southwest allowed us to come here and really talk about our business amongst all these other growing industries. Definitely. I mean, the meeting of the minds, the meeting of Lots of different people, industry leaders, and just people interested in general and to see where that conversation goes. And it wasn't all industry people, too. There were a lot of people there from all over the place, which which is kind of actually... kind of curious. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I like to call them. (laughs) Did you find that from somewhere? I I maybe have heard it, or it's potential that I made it up, but I probably heard it. That's a new social hashtag coming to you at a Mary Jane Experience account. 
near you. All right, but let's cut to the chase here. We interviewed Hannah about marketing. So our first question was, how did you get into cannabis? Mm -hmm. And what is the sort of comparison of the cannabis industry versus the craft beer industry? Yeah, and there seems to be a lot of correlation there because this is something that Julia Jacobson from Astor Farms talked about, wanting to be a craft beer brand in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that story of how people found cannabis seems to be a commonality, but also the stories about what people want the industry to become and what it is now. It's a learning experience for everybody and things like that. So here is how Hannah got herself into weed. Yeah, so I was actually part of um, the beer industry for about 10 years, um, which was most of my career. Um, And the reason I got into beer is because I had an opportunity to do marketing for craft beer brands. So I had a passion for craft beer, you know, as soon as I turned 21, it was definitely something that was becoming popular in the U.S. Um, So I was able to try a lot of craft beers, you know, um, throughout sort of my uh, key drinking years, if you will. Um, And so I got a passion for it and ended up pursuing that passion into a career in marketing. Um, And so I was able to learn a lot about how to market to niche audiences um, because at the time, craft beer was still sort of niche um, 10 years ago. You know, now you can walk into any store, including your local Walmart, and get a nice selection of craft beer. But 10 years ago, that unfortunately wasn't the case. Um, So it was a lot about learning to market to niche audiences, uh, a lot of learning about how to grow small brands into national players, um, because a lot of craft products were, you know, just small state players, and and now they're not only national, but international. Um, And the cool thing about the industry as well was that it was changing every day. So you could look a little bit far ahead, but not too far ahead. So I felt like it always kept me on my toes. There was always challenges. And everyone in the industry was learning at the same time, which I thought was great. You know, there was no one way of doing things, if you will. Um, And I had always thought, you know, would I ever want to market another product that has been around for a long time and hasn't really innovated on itself? And I always thought, no, I like to be in product categories where things are always changing, things are always moving, and people are coming up with new ideas every day. Um, So I had an awesome career in beer. I actually became a certified Cicerone, which is a sommelier of beer. Um, And so, you know, I wasn't only, like, working in it from a marketing perspective, but, you know, just from a passion perspective at home with my friends. After that sort of 10-year career, I had sort of wanted to see what else was out there craft beer was sort of becoming democratized. It had lost a little bit of the sparkle that it used to have. I just started looking um, to see what else was out there, and I actually got the opportunity to be on a project that was a cannabis research project for a company out in California, and a couple of people graciously pulled me onto that project because of my general marketing knowledge, and I fell in love. I, I got bitten by the bug, and I said, I want to do this. This is the next place I want to take my career. Um, and honestly, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities um, between, I believe, the craft beer consumer and how they were sort of interacting with beer and needed to be educated on it you know, 10 years ago and what's happening in the cannabis industry now. So I thought it would be an interesting place to take my skills and all the things that I've learned into an industry that, it, that is similar but also has a lot of unique differences in its own way. I 
find it really interesting the correlations between craft beer and cannabis. Something I never really thought about before in terms of marketing and having consumers feel comfortable with purchasing a product yeah. that is sort of in unknown territory. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that is what created the craft beer industry, right, was the comfort of knowing that you're going to get some quality product mm-hmm. because, you know, the, 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 the derivation from the Budweiser's and the cores in the world is a hard derivation to make, but it, it happened, right? And we're kind it of seeing took- that really good marketing yeah, is yeah, the yeah. thing. And, you know, and someone took... like Hannah is who knows how to do that. Exactly. So we asked Hannah the question, what are some of the most unique challenges in cannabis marketing and how do you overcome them? Yeah, and I think one of them comes from just the fact that there's so many new people coming into cannabis. Um Because in California, recreational just changed over at the beginning of 2018, it's been a lot of education, um, which is a fun place to be in marketing as well. Um, But, you know, a lot of product categories don't even have that challenge. You generally know when you're buying a soda what it's going to taste like and how you're going to feel like. Um, But in cannabis, um, a lot of people really don't know before they have that first experience. Um, You know, I think a big part of our job as both distributors and and brand marketers is to teach people about the product before they even try it to make them feel comfortable with what they're going to buy um, and make them feel comfortable with using it, um, especially if they're going to be at their home around their families. Um, There's a lot of moms who use cannabis. There's a lot of dads who use cannabis. We want people to be safe and responsible as they're using it and not be scared away. Um, I think everyone sort of maybe has that experience where they ate a bad edible brownie back in the day and they freaked out. Probably Um, in college, made by a roommate. (laughs) Everybody tells us that story. I mean, really, everybody. And and that's what we want to avoid, right? And I don't sell edibles. I sell vapes. Um, That experience you don't want people to be afraid of. You never want people to have a quote-unquote bad high and then not ever want to try your product again. Um, So I think the education is a big part of it, um, which is both, I would say, um, really cool, but also just a challenge, right? Um, And then also the whole realm of um, cannabis being a Schedule 1 drug is the fact that we can't market it um, with many of the traditional marketing tactics that are used for a lot of other brands. Um, so digitally, we actually can't really buy ads on a, on a traditional you know, Google ad model or Facebook or Instagram. Pretty much everything that we're doing in a social space is organic. And if you've talked to other marketers, generally no product is organically marketed on social media anymore because Facebook wants their cash and the algorithms work that way now. Um, So we have to get really creative in terms of what we're showing and how we engage with people online to make sure that they are seeing what we're putting out there because we can't pay to have them see it. We can't pay to put that message in their feed. So it has to organically show up there. Um, and it comes a lot from recommendations. So we do a lot of things where we're encouraging people to interact with us, tag their friends to win prizes, tag their friends to make a joke or share a meme. Um, and that's the way we're sort of spreading our message. So it's, it's a little um, gorilla, but in a digital sense. And it's forced us to be creative, but I feel like it's maybe a lot more fun that way um, because we can't just buy an ad and and put it out there. I mean, social media is just challenging, right? Because it's been challenging for us. We don't even sell weed. 
um, and we can't promote anything. And we're trying to promote education, so we're talking about being educational first. These brands are trying to be educational first, and they can't even use social media. And it's kind of an uphill battle for everybody. Yeah, and Hannah made a great point in that even if you're not selling weed online, but you accidentally sort of put a promotion out, yeah, yeah. you can get kicked off Twitter, Or Instagram, even just or... store hours. You're just trying to tell people when you're open. And that's too much, apparently. So. Yeah, so it's interesting to hear Hannah's perspective on that as well. Yeah, so you know, not being able to use a lot of traditional marketing means, um, and especially in a industry where education is penultimate at this point. We did kind of touch on the idea of bud tenders. You know, we we've even had the idea of doing like bud tender of the week, um, <laughs> because really it is like the first gatekeeper. Like I I I know that we're trying to educate people, but I think ninety percent of the information out there is coming from bud tenders, and a lot of them are very educated and some of them are just, you know, not. Well, we're something a like a podcast information. or internet research, you know, that's that's pre-education. Yeah, exactly. But the bud tenders are the actual gatekeepers where mm-hmm. they're there in front of the product and you're saying, okay, I want to sleep Yeah. well. I want less anxiety. How do we reach those bud tenders mm-hmm. consistently and give them the right information. Yeah, it's also interesting because not only is it the the consumer that is being educated, it's also because it's such a new and growing industry, the industry and the people working in it in you know, those entry-level positions are being educated at the same time. And there's probably a lot of things that we've heard from bud tenders that in two, three years, we might think like, oh my God, do you remember when they said this? Like that, That's absolutely not true anymore. So Changing be, all the time. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. I think there is a battleground, a battleground at retail. Um, that's just my perspective. Coming from the beer world for so long, a lot of our marketing tactics were spent at the port of sale. So think about when you walk into your favorite grocery store and you see a display that's set up for the football game you're going to be more likely to just pick up that case on your way in and out because you're grabbing chips and beer and you just want to get it done fast. You know, learned a lot from that. And and also with craft beer, we had to educate people at the point of shelf as well. What does this taste like? You know, what sort of ingredients are in it? So we would have a lot of communication right there at the shelf. And that's what I'm trying to do here because I believe that a lot of people are walking into a dispensary and have no idea what they want to buy when they walk in the door because we have so many new consumers. So I think my brands are taking the opportunity to educate them with, you know, just little cards that talk about the strains and the flavor profiles and the effect profiles. Um, and you know, you see the industry going that direction definitely. Um, but on top of the actual, like, physical pieces of communication, we also work on training the bud tenders and making sure that they understand what our product is. Um, because a lot of research has shown that the bud tender is the gatekeeper for products. If a bud tender recommends it, you're generally going to buy it. Someone told me a stat. I don't know where it came from, so I'm not endorsing it. But someone told me a stat that 80% of bud tender recommendations are taken by the consumer. So I play into that yeah, say, all yeah. the time. Me too. <laughs> so the bud tender has a lot of power. Um, and it's similar to, I'll go back to beer again, how much power the bartender has. You know, think about back in the day, you would walk in, you would ask about the beers, and they would go, I love this IPA because it's got a lot of grapefruit and pine, and I think it's just amazing. And you'll go, yeah, I'll try that. Why not? 
So I think, you know, that education piece for the bud tenders and then that, that retail communication is important and only going to get more important as a trend in marketing. Um, and then I think influencer marketing is, has been a big thing for cannabis. Um, but I think the trend will really be to um, reach out to influencers outside of the cannabis world. You know, there's a lot of cannabis influencers and they are awesome in their own right for reaching a certain audience. Um, but I think they miss a lot of the mainstream audience. So for me, what I'm looking for next is mainstream influencers who are going to reach the specific target audiences that I'm looking for. So yeah, education, penultimate, we've been talking about it, um, you know, educating not only consumers, the bud tenders, but it is tough even just to appear like a legitimate company. Um, so that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough hill well, to climb especially in with, this industry now. You know, the, <laughs> the industry's booming. Yeah. It has boomed. And the CBD industry especially is one of those things where there's just like snake oil. Oh, yeah. Oh, it cures everything. <laughs> and yet there's no regulations. So it is hard to stay on the legitimacy side. Like yeah, we're a absolutely. real cannabis brand that cares about who uses our product and that wants it to be healthy, safe, effective, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And this is something, you know, we did we did ask uh, Skip from Mercaha about testing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have never had a bad batch. It sounds like the testing side of the world in the cannabis industry, um, for everybody out there listening, is pretty legit. It sounds like they go through multiple different layers of testing and, and making sure that the product is up to standard before it hits market. So that's good to know. And that's, that's kind of how they've been staying uh, legitimate over at uh, Heavy Hitters and with brands. Well, yeah. So we asked Hannah, how do you maintain, from a marketing standpoint, legitimacy of brand? How mm -hmm. do you show the world that you are the real deal? Yeah, yeah. And comes down to user experience. And she had some good words on it. Yeah. So, you know, one of the main things that um, I guess any California product would have to say now is that we're tested and we're safe. Our company tests at three points in the production process, the last being that third-party testing. But we also have in-house labs who are testing the, this, the safety and the efficacy of the product as it goes through the process. You know, for us, that's super important. I mean, number one is the consumer safety, right? We don't want anyone to ever have a bad experience with our product. And I think that, honestly, there's there shouldn't be any brands in cannabis and California right now that aren't testing appropriately. Um, if they aren't, they're probably not on the shelf. However, there there is sort of a large illicit market that we do not participate in. So right now there are legal dispensaries and there are still illegal dispensaries, which have been around for a long time and were opened years ago and survived through the gray market. And now we're in the green market. And unfortunately, without a license, they're working illegally. So we stopped selling to them, you know, when when it went recreational, when licensing was mandatory. So it actually took a pretty big hit to the business um, because those people, I mean, there's, there's, I think someone said like maybe a thousand illegal dispensaries in California right now. 
again, stat I heard this week. Who knows if it's true? But I sort of, I sort of believe it um, because there are hundreds just in LA. It sort of makes sense. But yeah, we, you know, we don't we don't work with those people um, that maybe we used to work with before the legal market turned over. Um, and I think that's just something that that we are always telling consumers is that if you're buying from a legal licensed shop, then you are buying authentic product and you can be sure that it's safe because every brand in that facility is going to have been tested or else it wouldn't be on their shelf. They just wouldn't take it. Talking about brand legitimacy, um, this is an industry that's in its complete infant stage. Everybody is learning as we're going. We're all figuring it out. One thing we always like to ask people is kind of do's and don'ts about being in the industry, about starting into cannabis, about how to market um, as we're focusing on marketing here, uh, that's pretty much exactly what we asked Hannah. Yeah, I mean, essentially wins and losses. Yeah, we didn't get too many losses out of her. Actually, <laughs> in fact, we got none. Canvas <laughs> wins. <laughs> no, um, but marketing, just just things in marketing that have worked. Yeah. Hannah's got a couple of good stories, kind of case studies on that, mm-hmm. which I think are really cool to share. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for example, like, you know, if someone's going in to buy uh, rad, they probably wouldn't buy heavy hitters because rad appeals to them. And that is would be sort of their core, you know, positioning or emotional triggers and heavy hitters wouldn't be. Um, so when I look at the, the different brands, um, I look at the consumers first and understand what is important to them in terms of not only their cannabis behavior and the occasions and the needs for which they use cannabis, but also outside of that. Like, what else are they doing? Um, what kind of music are they listening to? What other things do they do in their lives? Um, what do their friends go out and do on the weekends? You know, you have to look at, like, the whole set of what that person is rather than and just how do they use cannabis, um, in my opinion, um, and you can market better to them. So when I think about, you know, the different brands, um, I'll start with heavy hitters and, and give you a win on that one, something that we did at the end of last year. Um, heavy hitters is like a stoner brand, like-ish, um, because it started, you know, in the gray market um, about seven years ago. So it grew up in the days where, there was a lot of, um, you know, medical people, but also, you know, this sort of gray market stoner culture was popular in Southern California. Um, so it does sort of have that feeling to it. Um, but also, you know, is trying to be brought into the modern age, but we don't shy away from talking about getting high or high THC. We're okay with that because that's actually what we already know our consumer is looking for. They're looking for an awesome high. They're looking for high THC and they're looking for it to taste really, really good. And so because we know they're looking for those things, we market to that sort of idea. Um, So a campaign that we ran at the end of last year, the headline was travel, smoke, weed, get paid. And it got picked up a lot of places. Um, And what we were trying to do was hire some brand ambassadors to go out and rep the brand, but do it in their own niche communities. so we got a DJ, we got a clothing designer, um, we have a girl who is a pole dance instructor. So we got these people who are sort of, you know, influential in their own small communities, but also have something else to say besides I smoke cannabis. Um, and when we were asking for the applications, it, it just 
it just went. It sort of went viral, right? Um, so we got written up in Thrillist, and really that was sort of the the trigger for a lot of other companies to pick us up. High Times, um, Dope, you know, a lot of places wrote about it because they were like, oh, best job ever, right? <laughs> um, but sort of, it sort of played into that stoner culture, but it also was also celebrating that people are unique and they're original. Um, and when we talk about heavy hitters, we talk about it as the original SoCal vape brand, and it's for original people. We want to be original, we want to be authentic, and we want to support other people who are also originals in their own right. So that's sort of where we're headed with that brand in terms of supporting original people, whether they be artists, you know, tattoo artists, um, Maybe they uh, maybe they ride motorcycles, you know, basically something else that makes them unique besides just being someone who uses cannabis. Um, so I'd say that was a win. So it's always great to hear people's case studies in marketing, the creative things that have been done. Another thing, another element in marketing that I think is really important is looking to the future. What are people going to want? Yeah. I mean, that's basically your month. job, right, as a marketer? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what are people going to want later? <laughs> so, and that's a really important question, and we try and ask as many people as possible. So we asked Hannah her one, five, and ten-year cannabis industry predictions. Important stuff. Here it is. By the end of this year in California, we're going to see a lot of the issues with the legal shops and the, the illicit nature of the market sort of go away, is what I'm hoping. Um, it seems like the uh, regulatory bodies, as well as each of the county and city um, you know, police departments are really making an effort now, which is great. 2018 was a year of just a lot of questions. Everyone was getting their act together. I feel like 2019 is the year of real, um, you know, organization, professionalism, and moving into that sort of phase where we are a legal safe market for every consumer in California. So that's my hope um, for the one year. In five year, uh, I have a couple things. So I feel like in five years, federal legalization will happen, or I hope so. Um, if it doesn't, I feel like there's going to be some interesting things happen with the cannabis industry. Um, but I feel like we'll have federal legalization, um, and it's going to become very normalized at that point, um, because not only will um, you know you be able to walk into a dispensary, but I feel like by that point, hopefully there'll be more ways to order it online and have a little bit more of that customized experience, you know, just like a lot of other product categories that are happening. Also at that five-year mark, I think, um, because I come from the alcohol industry, I think we're going to see a lot of complementary usage with alcohol as well as replacement of alcohol. Not to even talk about the opioid issue. I think we're definitely, cannabis is definitely going to help with the opioid issue in this country, which is amazing. But I feel like there's going to be a lot of switchover from alcohol um, to cannabis. I know I've already seen it in my own household. You know, when I used to on a Friday evening, grab a bottle of wine and have a glass of wine. Now I'm not doing that. I don't even keep alcohol in my house anymore. Um, but I do have a little shelf in my fridge that has all my favorite edibles in it. So it's just like by behavior, it sounds familiar. <laughs> it's already <laughs> happening. Right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, 
you, you've seen, I'm sure in the news, the alcohol industry is a little bit worried about that, but I also see them making investments in Canada, which means they, they see it, um, and they see the opportunity that's in the industry. So I think, you know, things like drinks are going to become more of the, the daily cannabis consumption ritual rather than just smoking. So I think we'll see a lot more formats. Um, and then, oh gosh, 10 years is so far away for the cannabis industry. Um, I think, I mean, we're going to see global at that point. Um, and I think that's the really exciting part of, um, you know, being a part of this industry is that we're not only making a U.S. industry from scratch, but we are really, you know, as the U.S. and Canada, as North America in general, we are sort of leaders in the world right now. So I think we collectively have the responsibility to make it, you know, a really cool industry, responsible industry, but also one that's going to sort of change behaviors around the world, which is an amazing opportunity and an amazing responsibility, but one that I think all of us are super excited about. So hopefully... Hannah's right about federal legalization. Which everybody that we asked that question, one, five, and ten, five, the five-year answer was federal legalization in the U.S. Which Absolutely. Is, which is, I, again, like we, we are 100% behind that. We'll see. Yeah. So an interesting f- future prediction is will cannabis continue to have a strong female presence? Unlike many other industries where it's just not even close to equal. Something I always like to ask women in the industry, especially high power women like Hannah, where do you think the industry is going to go as far as the female influence is concerned? And I really liked her answer. I mean, the way I look at... um the way I look at sort of the gender parity issue in business in general is I just want it to be equal. Like, you know, when you say women dominated, that makes me think, oh, why should it be women dominated? Why should it be male dominated? Shouldn't it just be equal where you have smart people in a room together and you have a nice balanced blend of experiences and opinions and lifestyles? Um, that goes from, you know, gender as, as well as, you know, race, background, ethnicity as well. There's been a lot of talk about that at South by Southwest during these cannabis panels. And it's nice to hear people bring it up in a forum like this and say, you know, we need to be a more balanced, diverse industry. Because unfortunately, a lot of other industries out there got really big when in general business wasn't very diverse. Um, I think we have the opportunity as an industry to build it right and balanced from the start. Um, So for me, I think, you know, it's awesome to be a woman in the industry. um, And I will definitely support, you know, balanced, fair teams moving forward. Um, Coming from the beer industry, it was, I mean, it was frequent that I was the only woman in the room. Um, And... I sort of just let my experience and my actions and my skills speak for me. Um, And I was never afraid to share my opinion. Um, And I think a lot of that comes with being a millennial as well. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of millennials grew up in a fair and balanced and equal sort of footing with their male peers. A a lot of female millennials, I think at least. Um, I mean... I I don't know about you, but, um, like in my school in like, let's say high school, it feels like all the people who are quote unquote, like the smartest and the most driven were a lot of times the girls, um, which was interesting, you know, and 
all of our parents um, lived through the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, saw the inequality, and raised us to be independent and driven women. Um, I know my mom did, even as far back as my my grandmother um, was a businesswoman. She worked, she traveled, um, and I learned a lot from her, and I learned a lot from my mother who owned her own business. And I feel like, you know, having strong female influences really helps as well. So that's what I hope to be for like the next generation is I hope to show people that it's possible to be, you know, a strong woman, but also feminine in the business world um, and able to sort of like lay the path for the next generation. So very interesting in-depth conversation that we had about marketing and cannabis. Um, kind of, kind of one of those, those things that I don't think is mainstream in terms of the difficulties that are being faced right now in the industry, but also interesting because it does give us a little into insight into what potentially the industry might become. Uh, so it's great talking to Hannah about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, creative ways to market a cannabis brand. Be very curious to hear what other people are doing. Yeah. I would say some of the things that we're doing is definitely getting creative with social media. Mm-hmm. Getting on Reddit, I think, is a huge yeah. platform where you're allowed to say whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, Reddit's become this like this almost mm. like database of information for us. There's so many great subreddits for cannabis. There's cannabis, marijuana. Mm-hmm. I love Entwives because it's a very female-based <laughs> community and it's very supportive. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's obviously so social platforms like that. And then we do a lot of local marketing and networking. Yep. You know, you really just have to get very creative. Contests, giveaways. I was going to say, yeah, the biggest things for us so far have been just giveaways. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and again, yeah. we can't even give away weeds. So it's just like giving away other things. <laughs> Um, But we're learning a lot about the marketing world, and we are 100% open with anything we do. We'd love to share information. Any questions that you Mm -hmm. have, hit us up. And if you have any ideas or you've seen something that works on the cannabis industry, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to hear those stories. Yeah. And losses, too. If you're willing to. Because, of course, everybody always loves to share their wins. We do, too, of course. But... You know, we'd like to hear about maybe something that didn't Losses, go well. Losses, Mary Jane experience, tried to Facebook market once before we knew that we weren't allowed to. Casey Jones got banned from Facebook like five <laughs> times. It's like, just stop. It's I, illegal. <laughs> I had to create four different profiles using four different Google voice numbers to try and even just have a quote unquote Casey Jones Facebook account, and they deleted it. So I got deleted faster than um, Russian bots and everything else that's out there in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, alt-right, hate groups, things like that. They can have Facebook accounts, but Casey Jones, who just wants to talk about smoking weed, that's a no-no. Yeah, I'm trying to anyway. think of any other fails. I think there's just things that were just a lot less successful than we thought they would be. Yeah. Like interviewing well, really we, big names yeah, and yeah. then thinking that they're going to share it and they don't. And then that's like actually our smallest podcast viewing. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to name any names or anything, but, yeah, you know, it's kind of common courtesy if we like uh, make this huge free piece of content for you. Yeah. Well, you you'd think people would just want to put the content out there, but, you know, it is what it is. Not bitter. 
<laughs> yeah, would you like to check that baggage, or is that a carry-on, ma'am? <laughs> you can cut that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so tons of cannabis wins, losses out there in the industry. Share yours. Thank you so much for listening to our marketing episode. Mm-hmm. Hannah Davis is actually super cool and... Wicked smart. Really, really smart. And mm-hmm. she's got style, too. Yep, True. I just to throw that in there. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're listeners and you can't see all right. it all. But yeah, anyway. So, and this is another piece of content that is essentially brought to you by South by Southwest. Because yep. they gave us press passes. That's where we got to meet all these awesome people. And uh, so we're just really grateful for that experience. Yeah. It really was super cool to go down there and, and see the inaugural cannabis uh, business track. And hopefully if we'll go back you next year. Interested in cannabis and assuming they do the cannabis track next year, highly, highly suggest you go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the education was out of control. The networking was just as good. It, it really is like, <laughs> this, I mean, and this was the first year. Yeah, so it's yeah. going to only be way better next year. So I'm very, very excited. I hope they give us press passes again. <laughs> Hey, we're making the content. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see how that goes, but we'll definitely be back next year. And it was great to talk to everybody that we talked to. Um, And yeah, this has been another production of the Mary Jane Experience podcast. Follow us again on iTunes. Podbean is our new favorite one. Uh, Still up on SoundCloud. Anywhere you get your podcasts, pretty much you can come find us. Uh, Social media, Instagram, Reddit, Facebook. We actually just do actually have a Facebook page. We just don't tout anything on it anymore. And we have some cool shit coming up. We do have to. We have to plug this. We are doing a Mary Jane experience Mother's Day raffle. Oh, my God. Buy your raffle tickets. We can't tell anyone about it yet. I'm just going to say be on the lookout for that. It is an amazing prize package, an amazing cause. Oh, the prizes. Keep your eyes peeled on the Mary Jane Experience social medias and website, maryjaneexperience.com. It's actually crazy that we've gotten so many incredible brands to donate prizes to this cause. We're not going to tell you what it is yet. Well, that comes back to marketing. This is how these, these brands have to market because they can't use traditional... It comes right back to the boat. This isn't a marketing play. This is (laughs) actually a charity for Mother's Day. But you can win a lot of sweet brazzles. More on that to come. Just follow us on social media because you need the updates. It does. Our stories, by the way, are are some of the best stories on Instagram. I'll say that. (laughs) Goddamn right. Okay, well, we have to edit a lot of this out, but I love you. Just fun to talk. It's just fun to talk.